Yes, the league action is underway, but it's now time for a taste of that sweet, sweet Carabao. Yes, it's midweek League Cup action, and Brunter Bugle is back with a mini preview episode. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. And today we're going to be catching up with the guys from the Blades Pod about how their season has gone and previewing the big cup game at Bramall Lane. We're going for the first time this season outside of the uh, season preview episode. I've got Mike Booth as my guest, uh, my co-host even, sorry. How's it going, mate? Well, uh, not too good, to be honest. Uh, I don't oh. feel very well. I, uh, I've got Carabao Cup fever. There we go. There we go. He was, he was, he was there. He was waiting to come. Uh-huh. You know, every yeah. time. It's always seemed to get it this time of year. I don't know what it is. don't know what yeah. it is, but there you go. No, it's a little bit disappointing at the weekend, obviously, with the, the draw. We're not going to go into detail about the Colchester game. That's going to be in the match preview game for the Swindon game at the weekend. Me and Dan are going to do that one. Um, as we were both at the game, Mike unfortunately wasn't able to make it. Part-timer. I know, it's pathetic, pathetic. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do, basically, we're going to preview the Sheffield United game. Um, we're not going to do the X-Blue section either, because again, we'll round that up next week. Um, we, uh, we'll we we'll very briefly touch on the, the, the main bit of news that obviously came out over the weekend. Um, I should probably make an apology for my tweet that I put out on the Brunson Bugle account the other day, <laughs> saying, isn't it great to have a season, pre-season with no disruption and everything going fine for us? Yeah, that, that brilliant night before the first game and it all kicks off. Super. Yeah. Um, first up, um, the competition. Obviously, the last episode we mentioned the fact we're giving a pay, we're giving away a pair of the Walling socks that our good friends at the Sock Council have uh, put together, styled in the site. Uh, the Cali United kit of ninety four ninety five, um, famously the title winning season. Um, the competition is now closed. But we don't actually have a winner yet because obviously no one scored at the weekend because the guess the question obviously was to guess who would score Kalinak's first goal of the season and it was a nil nil draw. So it rolls over to the game against Sheffield United in the cup. Hopefully we'll score in that and we won't have to roll over to the uh, <laughs> Swindon game. But basically, as soon as someone scored, we'll then collate the people who've come up with that name and we'll do a random draw to decide who wins it. Um, so you can't take part now because the first game's gone. You had to do it before the, I think it was quarter to three, I think said on Saturday. So if you haven't got your entry in by now, it's tough luck, basically. So there you go. Okay, uh, Mike, let's very briefly cover this bit of news. Me and Dan will go into a bit more detail on it at the weekend, but we want to give you a chance as well to have your say, really. Uh, Aaron Hayden has obviously left the club, unfortunately. Uh, Vice captain uh, has signed a three-year deal with Moneybags Wrexham in the National League. Uh, undisclosed fee. I mean, I'm not hugely surprised by that and I can understand why really because we probably don't want to give away our hand as to how much money we've got if Mm. we're potentially going out there looking for a replacement Uh, just basically briefly Mike your thoughts on the move yeah I mean from the numbers that have been banded about um, I've heard a few people say three year deal and five grand a week you you can't blame the lad for taking no, that. Can you? No, you know, no. I mean, some bemoaning, oh, it's a step down. Yeah, but you know, footballers have short careers. He's he's on more money than the prime minister <laughs> for for playing <laughs> in football in non-league effectively. Do you know what I mean? So you you, you, you can't blame him. He, he was a, a good player for us, and he, he was he was you know settled into the local community. There was obviously the stuff about him. Uh, 
gritting the roads when it was snowy and, well, and, and stuff. His, yeah, his kid was born here in Cumbria, wasn't she, sir? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one for you. Absolutely no hard feelings towards the lad from me, anyway. No, not at all. I've, I've, I've obviously discussed it with Dan at the weekend, but you can understand why he's done it. Um, I do feel it's a little bit of a backward step because... There were Championship and League One clubs interested in him last season. Mm. Hull and Brentford, by all accounts, were both really keen. And there was a few rumours swirling. I'm not sure about these ones, saying that Celtic were even watching him potentially. But yeah, it's re- really sad to see him go. But, uh, you know, wish him all the best. And, you know, it's, it's made us a bit of money. And if we can get a decent replacement in and still have a bit of cash left over, brilliant. You know, that's just yeah, the way it'll def- go. Definitely. And the way that Beach's recruitment has gone, I've got faith in him to get in a suitable replacement as well. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's uh, get on to the main part of the show then. Um, obviously, to mention the fact that, yeah, but uh, our sponsor for this season is uh, the Carlisle United Sports Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Carlisle United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore, and of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events and sports games and I do a lot of fundraising for the club actually you should, should point out they've they've given a hell of a lot of money towards the club down the years and uh, they're going to be providing with some information for the away games as part of their preview section this season too uh, you can find out more about the London Branch at their website carlalondonbranch.org and I do know that actually a few people have listened to the podcast have already actually signed up as members so fantastic to hear that um We'll uh, we'll talk about the game itself shortly, and we'll have that pub suggestion that the London Branch have given us for the game. Um, but first up, I caught up with Ben from the Blades Pod podcast ahead of the big match to find out how they've been getting on in pre-season, not particularly well by the sounds of things, how they've coped with the drop from the Premier League to the Championship, and some chat about some classic encounters and some players who've got links between both clubs. So here's the chat I had with Ben uh, earlier today. Ben, thanks for taking time to speak to us. Um, it seems a long time since we played you guys, but it's actually only seven years ago, back in League One. We had a, a few ding-dongs back then, didn't we? And you guys were obviously one of the fallen giants in the division because there used to be quite a few clubs like that in League One back in the day. Still is now, I guess, with Sunland and co. Um, and you, you had a real struggle of getting out of the division back then, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny you say it's only seven years. I think for Sheffield United fans, it's been a... A, a, a very full seven years of tail. A lot <laughs> yeah. has happened in that time. I mean, so yeah, we last played in 2014. Since then, we we went through, I think, our worst league finish for something like 40, 50 years, which um, was under Nigel Adkins. He only lasted one season. Chris Wilder comes in, and then we have the whole Chris Wilder experience for the next five years, basically, which has sadly come to a conclusion now, but he very quickly got us out of League One. You know, we went from six years just completely in the doldrums at that level, you know, where it, we genuinely looked like we were getting worse year after year, culminating in that low season under Atkins. Wilder comes in, we get 100 points the first season. We sort of push for the playoffs in the championship the next season. Mm-hmm. Then we get promoted. Then we finish top 10 in the Premier League. And finally, the journey ends with relegation last season. So, yeah, it is only seven years, but I mean, that feels like a lifetime ago as, as a supporter of United, to be honest. You know, it's seven years since we got relegated from League One, so it feels a long time for us as well, I think it's fair to say. Just before we recorded it, we were discussing um, the last time we played and looking at the lineups. I mean, of your team, there's only one player that sort of stands out for me there, and that's Connor Cody, who's obviously now at um, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Pretty much completely changed it. Same for us, to be fair. I mean, Jordan Pickford was in nets for us and Pascal mm. Chimbonder at right back. So, but bar that, 
pretty much the whole team and squad has changed. And the only other name actually that stands out there, Stefan Skugel, obviously ended up playing with Carlisle for a couple of seasons. So it, it, it's... You, uh... Are you skipping over Harry Maguire there for any particular reason? Well, I'm go- I was going to actually come on to him in a second, actually, funny enough. Okay. Because um, cause when we talk about games we played in League One, um, one game always stands out to me, and that's the game we played on, I think it was New Year's Day in 2012. And that was a proper humdinger of a game, I remember. I think there was a good crowd, maybe seven or 8,000 in. You guys, mm. obviously, as usual, brought, I think, at least 1,500, 2,000. And... That was the game where I think Harry Maguire would probably rather forget because I seem to remember he got torn apart by Francois Zoko in that game. <laughs> like like many players at that level did uh, when Francois was on his game, which you know could be 50-50 chance whether that would happen quite often. But I, I seem to remember that was a really good game, that one, because obviously I think Ched Evans got a brace in that match. And like I said, Zoko, I think, set up the opening goal. And, I think, and in fact, he might, he might have scored the opening goal. I think he set up the second one as well. So yeah, it, it, yeah, it's amazing when you go back and you think of these games. And like I said, He's the one that stands out, and you think, oh, seven years ago. But, I mean, he must have been only about 18, 19 back then, I think he was for you. Who was Al Maguire then, yeah. yeah. So, I think that was his first... I mean, he made his debut when we were in the Championship, but only yeah. towards the end of that season. So, this was his first first season of proper senior football. Yeah, I think he was 18 at the time, maybe, maybe just turned 19 during the season. He was... I mean, you know, he's an imposing presence now. Yeah, what is yeah. it? Uh, that's nine years on. But he was like that at 18. He was, you know, real. <laughs> he, he didn't look like a boy amongst men, put it like that. No. And uh, yeah, it's been awesome seeing his um, his development. I I didn't think he would reach those levels. I thought he was probably, this was while we were in League One, obviously. I thought yeah. maybe lower Premier League, but then he becomes the most expensive defender in the world and, you know, probably England's best centre half, to be honest. So yeah, yeah. it's been awesome to see. <laughs> It's brilliant, isn't it? Let's talk briefly then about your sort of last two seasons in the Premier League, what it was like for you as a fan. I mean, that first season must have been, up until obviously the pandemic kicked in, it must have been beyond your wildest dreams. Obviously, there was a chance at one point where you were potentially pushing for a Champions League place. I think it was probably always going to be just out of reach, but you must have been amazed at how well you, you took to it. And, and obviously, after that, the, the, the downfall the following season with no fans there seemed to have a really big effect, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. COVID, I'd say that, well, and I'm talking to a club here that obviously massively affected by, uh, <laughs> disrupted by COVID last season, yeah, if nothing yeah. else. But yeah, I'd say out of the Premier League clubs, I feel like us and Liverpool were the two that kind of suffered the most from not having fans in the ground last season. Um, yeah, that that first season, I think every, I mean, that wasn't the only reason we sort of fell off last year. I think we had a load of injuries, which really disrupted us. Um, we didn't sign. I think our signings were not particularly good either. And I think Wilder just couldn't get us out of the rut, basically. But the, the season before was, I think it has to be the best season that I've enjoyed as a United fan. It was, you know, we, we went into it just hoping to stay up, I guess. You know, that was the limit of, I think, a lot of fans' expectations. But, you know, right up until uh, lockdown one, the outbreak of the pandemic, as you say, it was... It was not impossible that we could get in the Champions League, and yeah, we we you know I, I think our performance was starting to dip a little bit, but we we're still getting results around that time, and you know we we're really going toe to toe against the the very best teams. I mean, I think only it was only against Liverpool and Man City we didn't actually score in the two games we played against each of those teams, but we kept really close and gave them some really hard games. Yeah. And you know, you got you got Pep and Klopp basically saying this club's doing stuff that. Uh, you know, it poses as a real problem, and I watch their games with nothing but admiration. It's like, oh my god, what is what is happening at Sheffield United? And then, yeah, obviously the next season has brought us down to earth 
a little bit, and uh, hopefully we can start to build something new this season. I think we, uh, I think going into last season, nobody expected us to carry on that kind of top yeah, ten yeah. push. I think we we knew we'd sort of caught a little bit lightning in a bottle. I think, um, and uh, so we expected a bit of a step back, but yeah, one thing kind of piled on top of each other and uh, led to a complete drop off. Unfortunately, let's talk about one of the players who actually did leave after that end of that first Premier League season, a player that uh, Carlisle fans like to watch very closely because it quite often adds to the club coffers every time he plays for Man United. It's Dean Henderson. Um, how big a player was he for you? I mean, he's, he's a he's a big personality, isn't he? And I suppose losing him between the sticks must have been a a really big blow as well as you know Ramsdale did coming to the club after that. It's losing someone like Henderson must really affect the squad. Yeah, I think it probably did a little bit. I think... Maybe our own fans kind of overrated that a little bit um, in the first few months of the season. Put it like this, I think if Dean Henderson had played the whole season in golfers, I think we would have still got relegated because yeah. our defence just, I mean, through injury, suspension and loss of form, just completely collapsed, basically. Yeah. Defence was amazing the previous two seasons. Um, so Henderson was, he was kept pretty quiet. It's just when he was required to do something, he did it superbly. And as you say, it's, I don't think I've seen a goalkeeper have that level of, self-confidence and personality and he was even though he was only on loan with us for those two seasons he you could tell he was a massive part of the changing room and just the whole kind of atmosphere around the club so yeah it was a shame I think we all wanted another season um out of him and I still sort of feel that might have been the best thing for his career but he obviously knew best he ended up playing for Man United last season much more than I expected him to yeah he'd have been um I guess he would have probably been the Number two going into the Euros as well. I did not got injured, so um, yeah, it was it was sad to leave. It, it just became such a massive favourite. I mean, come, yeah, considering he was only on loan, within like probably six weeks of his first season, I think everyone was like, "This guy is is pretty special." And also, he absolutely loves it. You can just tell he's yeah, completely he <laughs> he's completely committed. You know, not just on social media, but interacting with the fans and stuff. I. I think it was it might have been our third or fourth game that season, um, and we scored a last minute winner against Norwich in front of um, uh, in front of the cop, and everyone's going mad. And then I suddenly realised that Henderson's run the full length of the pitch to get involved in the celebrations, and I thought, <laughs> "Yep, we've got a good one here. This is a this is a good lad. He's, he's fully bought into this team." And uh, yeah, it's it's nice to think that we you know played a part, I guess, in uh, in his development. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, your new manager then. Obviously, the manager replaced Wilder. Um, how do you think he's getting on so far? I mean, not the greatest start to the season at the weekend, was it? But uh, you are you reasonably confident for this campaign? I think so. It's, there's so many unknowns. I mean, we're we're clearly uh, we're clearly trying to play a different way uh, based yeah. on one game. Our preseason has been a mess. We had we've basically played two friendlies in like six weeks, and one of them wow. was against a pretty much a semi-pro side to be honest so our preparation going into the season has been really disrupted we had a a COVID outbreak that um, you know meant players had to train apart for two weeks one of our in fact I think several of our friendlies got cancelled because of outbreaks at other clubs so it's is we I think there's a bit of an understanding certainly amongst uh, people I know that this is going to take a bit of time Um, but yeah you kind of itch um, you know he favours a much more sort of slow build up possession heavy approach which is quite different to what we've seen in the last two seasons. You can see we were trying to do that on Saturday. We had 75% possession, which I don't think we've done for probably three seasons. Mm. It's just we, you know, you could clearly tell we're still trying to work out 
how to turn that possession into good chances. We had a lot of shots, but not many actual good chances against Birmingham. But you know, it was nice to see us have the ball a little bit. I think we were, um, I think we were like uh, bottom five for possession the last couple of seasons in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Which you kind of expect for a team, you know, who's just got promoted or struggling against relegation. But um, yeah, I think there's an understanding that we're going to try something different. Um, whether these players can adapt to that or whether we need new players to play in a different way, will uh, time will tell, I suppose. Because he's a manager, isn't he? He's got a bit of reputation, um, Djokovic, uh, of, of teams playing good football in the championship, wasn't he? I think we've, Fulham especially, I think his teams were really quite well praised in, in the way they tried to play. Obviously, he wasn't able to make the step up to the Premier League, but it, it, it's it's one of those ones, isn't it? You're, you're very much changing style this season, I guess, in the way you're going to be looking at things. I think so, yeah. And I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, I've got nothing but respect for what Wilder gave us, like yeah. the best era of my lifetime supporting this club. But it had got a bit stale that last season. And, you know, I, I do think having a new manager was the right thing to do. I mean, we, <laughs> my fellow podcaster and I, I think in January, we were sort of saying, can Wilder not just go on holiday for the rest of the season? <laughs> like, you know, we, we're already down, essentially. There's no way we're going to come back from this. I would still like Chris Wilder to be the manager, but I wanted to have a break from this like relentless yeah. misery that is this season. So, yeah, new manager comes in. I, I think, you know, on paper, I think he's probably the best manager we could have hired, like, realistically. Mm-hmm. As you said, he's got that, um, he's got the reputation, he's got the CV of promotion from this level. The football's supposed to be good. Uh, he's actually our first foreign coach as well, which is, I mean, I, I don't know how... That feels like a bit of a departure for us in terms of, you know, a significant step to not just being mm-hmm. completely British-based. So, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful anyway, but also acknowledge that I don't expect us to be, like, firing on all cylinders for at least a month or so. No, definitely not. Um, well, let's have a look at the, the cup tie then, obviously. So you open up your season against, was it Birmingham this weekend, I think, mm-hmm. um, with a narrow defeat. Are you expecting big changes for this game? Are you expecting a few fringe players to be thrown in maybe and mix things up? Or do you think the manager might look and think, we need to get off to a good start? We don't want to be losing to a team from League 2 at home. So let's put a fairly strong team out for this game. Uh, I'm not sure he'll have that uh, second thought in mind, but I do think it'll be a strong team purely because, as I said, we've hardly had a pre-season. I, yeah. um, you know, I, I kind of wish this game could have been played... Um, Maybe last weekend or um, well, or midweek, to be honest. It's funny you say that because we we were supposed to play a bigger club. I think it was a championship club. In fact, mm. I think most of our fans have worked out who this is because basically we had a fans forum last week where our uh, chief executive sort of let on that because we played Halifax as our last preseason friendly at home. It was mm. a really weird game. I was like, that's not a big time. Why are we playing them at home? But it mm. turns out we were supposed to play somewhere on the Saturday. They pulled out of the last minute because they got offered a bigger club to play. Then said bigger club had to pull out of the game against them at the weekend because of COVID reasons. That championship club comes back to us and says, well, can we play you now? And we said, well, no, we can't let Halifax down. We've, <laughs> we've agreed to a game with them. You can probably work out who the championship club were because they're quite. it was quite well publicised that their game against this Premier League club was called off. The club haven't right. said it, but I think we've guessed it's Preston, basically. <laughs> they played Burnley. I think they played Burnley under 23s in the end, was the oh, rumour, okay. but they were supposed to play Manchester United. So they pulled oh, out to play Man United because they knew that would get them some money. Alleg- mm. This is allegedly, I don't know if it's true, that the club have basically <laughs> not said the name of the club, but they've given enough hints to give it away. So we could have Fair played enough. it, but it's just circumstances, but there you go. Yeah, but um, no, I think it'll be a pretty strong team, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I mean, 
our bench, our bench looked really strong at the weekend. It might have been the strongest bench we've named for a very long time. I think you'll see. Uh, I think you will see a lot of names starting for us. Like I think Brewster, probably Billy Sharp as well. Um, I wouldn't be too shocked if we switch the goalkeeper around and just give our backup um, a run out. But as I say, you know, we we played two friendlies and um, we took you know took the entire eleven off at half time or after an hour in another one. So there's just. There's just hardly any minutes in the legs. I will not be surprised if it is our strongest available team. It's more likely to be a bit of a hybrid, I think. Yeah, I mean, looking at your bench here, that's it's actually terrifying. <laughs> Look at how good it is. If that some of the players coming in, then it's going to be a tough evening for us. I think. Uh, interesting. I'll see. I noticed the fact that uh, one of your starters there, Oliver Norwood, he's an ex Carlisle player. He had a loan spell with us from Manchester United. Funny enough, around about the time I think that Henderson went to them, so probably one of those ones. Oh, okay. Probably got a bit of bonus there in that sense of that. I think he only stayed for three months at the end, and we looked to extend him. I think he got injured. But um, how's he doing for you these days? I remember him being quite a cultured sort of midfielder who could pick out a pass for us. One of the best signings we've made in recent mm. times, for sure. He, I mean, he kind of just transformed us when we when we signed him in the um, promotion season. Just an amazing... I haven't seen anyone be able to pass the ball like he has. His, his range of passing is insane. Um, struggled a lot last season. He was, he was phenomenal first season in the Premier League. One reason or another looked like he just hit a sort of physical wall uh, yeah. last year, an athletic wall, and he, he was just exposed constantly, not helped by the rest of the team, not being able to support him properly and all the sort of changing parts around him. Um, I think he could have a big season for us because, as I say, we're going to play in a more, you know, I guess a, a slower tempo, uh, try and keep the ball more kind of fashion. He was almost playing like a third centre-half for us um, against Birmingham, just, you know, picking up the ball and starting pretty much every attack. But, yeah, he's, I say he struggled last season, but he's been phenomenal for us. Like just a, a a delight to watch. Speaking of other players in both squads, you've got links to either club. Um, in your squad, Regan Slater. Um, what's happening with him? Because he obviously was on loan at Hull last season. Apparently, did really well. He, he looked decent for us as a sort of holding midfielder. I think he's played a bit further forward these days. Uh, what's happening with him? Because there was a lot of talk he might leave in the summer. Yeah, he's still a fringe player for us. I'm. I'm not sure he's going to make it with mm. us. To be honest, he might he might play tomorrow night or you know be on the bench or something. But even though we're quite light in terms of midfield numbers, I think we are about to sign another um, sort of starting caliber midfielder. So that'll kind of push him down the pecking order. Yeah. I think there's a couple of other youngsters who are uh, a, a couple of years behind him in terms of development who I think are more highly thought of at United. Zach yeah. Brunt is one of them. So I. I expect that he'll probably leave, um, if not permanently this season, then on loan for sure. And Marcus Dewhurst, obviously, as well in your squad, and he was on loan with us last season. Didn't didn't probably get the game time I think you guys expected because it turned out the injury to our second choice keeper wasn't as bad, bad as we expected. Mm. So he, he played it in FA Cup tie though, made a brilliant penalty save against uh, Hazen Yedding United. Oh, I actually really remember seeing that. Yeah, like, genuinely one of the best penalty saves I've seen to tip it onto the bar. Really, see, yeah, he, he looks a, a good young keeper, not the biggest, but clearly a player that you guys think has got a bit of potential as well by the sounds of things. Yeah, definitely. It's part of the England youth setup as well. Um, so yeah, he's, he's been playing at, uh, at, at youth levels for his country. Yeah, I think he's he's probably uh, we've, we've let go another of our young goalkeepers who's I think he's mm-hmm. about 22, 23 or they're, they're about to leave I think so he's kind of um, rising up the ranks a little bit but yeah still a, still a ways off first team football yeah. for us I think 
Yeah. And uh, finally, the last thing I can find between the squads, um, one that you might struggle to remember played for you guys, Joe Riley, the Manchester oh, yeah. United youngster. You had him on loan. Um, I think he probably back then would have been playing right back for you guys, I think. Um, interesting. He might have played left back. So I do remember him because yeah. he's a good kind of quiz question of... Um, players who've played under Chris Wilder you know that's how we passed yeah. our time when there was no football basically doing yeah. sporkle quizzes and he's one of those that's so niche that everyone remembers it so yeah we had him on loan from Man United and he he did pretty well but then he got quite a bad injury so um had to well, go back yeah he's had rotten luck with injuries in the last few years um mm. and then he came to us from Bradford having I think been there for two seasons and played like four games I think for them or something like that mm. um Beach signed him, and we all thought he was a right back, and he was going to be competing with George Tano. We actually signed for Man United, funny enough. Um, but then he played him in midfield, and he played forty-two games in midfield for his last season. He's never played oh. more than six games or something in a season, so he's he's one to watch out for. He's full of energy, and I'm sure he'll he'll be determined to probably score a goal in this game until he show you know I'm still a decent player. So yeah, no, he was uh, for someone who only played a handful of games. He's very well thought of. He you mm. know he. he I think we were we were struggling to kind of fill that position at the time, and he sort of slotted right in there. And yeah, people were understandably disappointed when he got injured, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's look ahead uh, to the actual game and give a predictions what we like to do on our pod. So, uh, what are you going to predict for the match? So, I think that the last couple of times I've been to see United in the cup against a team in League One or League Two, we've ended up losing, which has been <laughs> quite frustrating. But um, no, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we can. Uh, as I say, I think it will be. A strong team without masses of changes, which is usually where these things do fall apart when you change the entire eleven. Yeah. So um, I, I will go for a two-nil home win. To be honest, I wouldn't be totally amazed by that. I might, personally, I'm probably going to go for a one-one draw, and then we'll probably lose, lose on penalties. Would be sod slow, but uh, we've we've right. actually got a surprisingly decent record against championship clubs in the League Cup. We've yeah. I think we've beaten Blackburn, Ipswich, or when they were in the Championship, QPR, Bristol City. Barnsley actually a couple of years ago so we in the last 10 years ago our record's not too bad mm. but I don't think we're quite as strong and not helped by the fact that our vice captain was sold to Wrexham at the weekend ah. <laughs> so money, money bags Wrexham are coming into I don't think we'll take this one lightly no. I'll say that which obviously would uh, enhance our chances of getting through I think um, I think with a new manager you, there probably is a part of that that's like you know, we played a game, we didn't score, we obviously didn't win. Let's make sure we yeah. get something on the board. And, you know, there's a few, there are still a few players, even the ones that started at the weekend, who do have a bit to prove. You know, Rian Brewster, for example, if he starts, he's, he's still not scored for us. That has, yeah. it's kind of used as, it's a little bit unfair because he's, he's hardly started for us either. He's might have made like 27 appearances, but like 20 of them are from the bench. So I imagine he still wants to get that monkey off his back though. So, yeah, I think we'll... Uh, I think we'll be trying to win the game, put it like that. It won't yeah. be as much as I say, you know, we we kind of need a more friendlies in our legs. I do think we will be uh, motivated to get a positive result. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Ben. Really appreciate it, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season after Tuesday night. <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, same to you. Cheers. Thanks again to Ben for taking his time out to chat with us about all things Sheffield United. Mike, uh, it, it sounds like it's been a bit of a sort of tough summer for Sheffield United, hasn't it, in terms of trying to get games arranged as much as anything, really? 
Yeah, I mean, I know a few Sheffield United fans, and there seems to be a split 50-50 of fans who think that they can bounce straight back up and fans who think that they're going to go down again. So it's like... Wow. Yeah, it's <laughs> quite... Exactly, quite, uh, quite a contrast, really. But it's interesting about uh, Oliver Norwood, because when... Um, when Sheffield United first got promoted, they apparently tried to transfer list him, um, mm. and it, it 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 had a few times in his career. I think he got promoted with Huddersfield to the Premier League, and then Huddersfield were like, "Thanks, Fulham, but... wasn't he as well?" I think. For a bit, yeah, yeah, and they they were basically like, "Thanks, but you're just not quite good enough for the Premier League, so we're going to let you go again," kind of thing. And when Sheffield United tried to transfer list him. He basically said, "No, I'm not leaving. I've I've got promoted to the Premier League countless times in my career, and I haven't been given a chance to show what I can yeah. do at this level." And he obviously got given the chance, and he looked a very good player. But obviously, last season was just a culmination of disasters, wasn't it? Really poor. Yeah, never scored a goal for us, did he? I think he scored an own goal in one game, but mm. he, he looked a decent player when he was on loan. He just got a bit unlucky, picked up an mm. injury, didn't he? And had to go back. That's just the way it is. Um, Okay, so um, before we get on to talking about uh, Sheffield United opposition, uh, the London Bradshaw suggested as the away pub for this game, the Howard. No, not the one in Carlisle. <laughs> not go all the way to Carlisle to go to the pub. No, there's a place called the Howard. Uh, it's literally around the corner from the railway station. If you look it up on, on Google, um, you'll find it there. I think it's the thehowardsheffield.co.uk is their website, so if you want to look there. Uh, I've also seen a recommendation for the Sheffield Tap, which is right by the station. That's been quite highly recommended. So they're two places you can go for a pint before the game. You can, you kind of spoil it for choice at Bramall Lane because it's a proper city centre football ground it isn't, isn't it, it? You know yeah, I mean? it's not far away it's mm. a real short walk yeah mm. I've only I think I've only been twice and I think both times I've been in the press box so it'd mm. be nice to actually be sat in the away end for once actually for this game um so yeah it's obviously the Carabao Cup first round tie um referee for this game James Oldham it's his third season as an EFL referee he handed out 83 yellow cards and four red cards in his 29 games last season his first ever EFL game was actually a United game it was the opening game of the 1920 season where the Blues beat Crawley 2-1 at Brunton Park. He actually sent off Lewis Young, brother of uh, Ashley, in this game in the 90th minute for a sort of, I say a head, but it was more sort of like a leaning in sort of thing. I think it was on Canis Carroll, possibly. Um, there's a blast from the past. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, he took charge of just one United game last season, the 2-0 win. At Walsall, where Charters, Hayden, and Armour were all booked, he's actually taken charge of four Carlisle United games uh, in his EFL refereeing career, and United have won all four of them. Mm. So there's an interesting little omen for you. <laughs> um, he actually, he re- the first game he's refereed this season was Stevenage v Barrow, where he booked ten players. So I mean, bear in mind, like I said, he, he what was it, eighty-three cards last season, mm. yellow cards. That's the equivalent of eleven percent of his cars that he handed out last season in one game. <laughs> so busy fella at the weekend, I think it's fair to say. Um head to head record nine wins for the Blues, five draws and twelve Sheffield United wins. A lot tighter than I thought it would be to be honest, because you think down the years we've probably played them when we've been going up divisions and they've been sort of settled in either mm. what's now the championship or the, the Premier League. So it's so it's, yeah, a bit of surprise. It's quite tight. I, I think we went a lot of years without being anywhere near the same division as, as them as well. Really, didn't, didn't we? Yeah. Sort of. And it was, and the, the games are fairly tight actually. Back in League One, you know, oh seven, yeah, seven years ago. I mean, they they only really battered us one thing, which was three one in an away game, and the others were quite like tight one nils. I think most of them. Mm. So, I think really, that away game was was that the year we went down, and I think Sean O'Hanlon got sent off. 
I think. Possibly. I'm not can't remember if he played mm. that game, actually. But I think we it was Jose Baxter um, was the last time we played him. He scored. So we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that first, actually. Before we go mm. to the classic clash, um, let, let's talk about the last time we met. Um, so, yeah, it was Sheffield United 1, Cal United 0. Um, two sides met in League 1. The last time we met in League 1. Um, United won the home fixture that season 1-0. Matty Robson scored a goal that just about got over the line with a header from a corner. Um, but they suffered a narrow defeat in the reverse fixture at Bramall Lane in March mm. later that year. Uh, this was the point, wasn't it, Mike, where United season was just collapsing and I think a lot of the low knees that were doing well got recalled. The ones mm. that replaced them were not up to the standard and we had quite a few injuries as well and it just... It, it, it's weird, isn't it, on that season under Graham Kavanagh, people sort of reflecting and now and say we were awful. But actually, if you look at it, round about Christmas time, we weren't in a too bad a position. We were no. looking okay, and some of the loan signings that came in were, were pretty good, weren't they? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it was weird because that game that I mistakenly thought was um, the year we went down, it must have been the year before, because the year before, we didn't look that good. And then we signed O'Hanlon, and he really shored yeah, up the defence. that's what you're thinking of. And then we, we were sort of, we relatively comfortably stayed up that year, but there mm. were sort of cracks that it had papered over. And then obviously the year after, things just were awful, weren't they? And the the big thing, I think we played over 40-odd players that season, didn't we, as well? Yeah, like I said, the, the, the big issue was we actually had what was looking the core of an OK squad at around about Christmas time. But then with all those players getting recalled, I think the only mm. real decent loan signing we had second half of the season was Jordan Pickford. <laughs> the the oh, rest yeah. were just were, were dross. I mean, when you, you lose someone like Tom Lawrence and he's replaced with someone like Sam Byrne instead. You know you're mm. in trouble, don't you? So yeah, and so Charney Anganka Gomini or whatever his name is, Ekamanga, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. like that wasn't it. M- Mikey Drennan as well, on loan from Aston Villa. God, he was yeah. dreadful too. Mm. Um, yeah, quite a few players who just were not up to the standard. Uh, it's fair to say. Mm. Um, Jose Baxter scored the only goal for the Blades. Uh, their side featured Harry Maguire and Connor Cody, as well as ex-Blues Stefan Skugel, who started the game, and then on the bench, unused subs, Sean Miller and Billy Painter. Quite a mix of it, ex-Carlo mm. players on that side. Uh, United side features stars such as James Pearson, Reese Brown, and Sam... I'm only joking here, really. Uh, in all seasons, Jordan Pickford was in goal. Pascal Chimbonda was at the heart of defence. Uh, Nacho Novo came on for a rare sub-appearance <laughs> during his short spell with the club. Once uh, someone described him as playing like a farmer, I think when he came on in the home game, he played for us. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not 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 the greatest player was he? So yeah, narrow defeat. And I, like I said, when you look back at that season, take away the battering at Preston, we we just sort of slumped a lot of narrow defeats, and we just just couldn't find our way out of trouble by the end. So. If Gary Medine wasn't on tag and could play in away games, <laughs> we, we, we would have stayed up probably. It's the yeah, bad thing, maybe. isn't it? We probably yeah. would have stayed up. Oh, that just sums things up, really, doesn't it, for us? Yeah. Um, the classic clash I picked out here. I, I, I mean, Mike, when you look through the results down the years, this, this is probably the one that stands out, isn't it? Especially in recent times. Mm. Uh, Cali Knight 3, Sheffield Knight 2 from January 2012. It was a New Year's Day game, I seem to remember this one. Um, it was the Blades' first visit to Brunton Park in 26 years and saw the two sides play out what was an absolutely brilliant game of football. I don't know if you were at this one, Mike, but genuinely was a really exciting end-to-end good match of football. Mm. Yeah, uh, that was peak 
Greg Abbott inconsistent Carlisle United though, yeah. wasn't it? Where like we would beat the likes of Sheffield United or Sheffield Wednesday or Leeds or whoever, but then we'd like lose against someone like Crawley three days later. Do you know what I mean? It was just uh... to be honest, I think Crawley's a bad example because I think they've only ever beaten us once in, in history. But I th- you're right; that's the kind of thing, really, wasn't it? It'd be loose to mm. Rochdale or someone like that, wouldn't it? And he'd, mm. he'd just be infuriated as to why mm. we just couldn't do it. But yeah, so this this game, uh, again, Harry Maguire played this game. I think this was his first full season as a professional. Um, and he had an absolutely torrid time against Francois Zoku. Mm. Really turned him inside out for much of the game. Um, Zoku opened the score after about two minutes, I think it was. And it mm. was basically, it was a sort of chip ball forward from McGovern. And it was such a clever ball because if you watch it again, it he just tempts Maguire to try and come down for the header. And Zoko just nips in ahead of him. Gets mm. the ball, he's away down the right, and he, he gets into the box and just slots it into the to the far corner past the keeper. Yeah, um, Ched Evans then equalised. Uh, Zoka then got a second. It was a it was, again a quite a clever move. It was sort of like I think it was like a lofted sort of cross across the box from I think it was either McGovern or Taiwo, and it came to Lee Miller, who the, all the Sheffield United players think is, is offside. And he's not. And he's at the far post. And he could go for goal himself, but he yeah. really intelligently brings it down and just sort of lays it off perfectly for Zoko to head into the empty net. Yeah. Really, really clever move. And then What a pairing they were together, Zoko and Miller. Oh, brilliant. And obviously then you put... Mm. Effectively, Zoko played on the left, Miller down the middle, and McGovern was on the right, wasn't he? And mm. they, they they just played so well together. And the, uh, the third... Obviously, Evans then equalised again for Sheffield United. But the second half... This is one of my favourite Cal United goals, really, because it's just a, such a good move. We win the ball on the sort of left down the left corner flag at the Waterworks, and the ball comes out to Murphy, who does a sort of a little Cruyff turn thing to take the defender out of play, and he plays the ball with his right foot into um, McGovern. He does this lovely flick with his back heel into Miller, who shows his strength, holds the player off, and lays it off perfectly for McGovern. He just side foots it into the bottom corner past the keeper. Mm. Genuinely, one of my favourite Kyle goals because it's such a good move, and it sort of that summed up, like you said, Greg Abbott's Kyle side at its best. Mm. When it was playing like that, it was unplayable. They, they they had those lovely little intricate little bits of play, didn't they? Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's a misconception. A lot of our fans seem to think that we did not play nice football under Greg Abbott, and oh, we at did. Time, at times, yeah. we really, really did. You know, there was them goals and. Uh, there was that home game against uh, Huddersfield Town uh, where obviously Liam Miller had that header, mm. you know, and the absolute limbs at the end. But their first goal in that game, which I think was scored by Berrett, that was like a 15, 20 pass move. You know, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah, and, and the, the thing you've had is, I think people have this weird misconception because they say, oh, you only ever play one striker. He was always playing 4 5 1. It was never 4 5 1. It was 4 3 3. It was always a 4 3 3. And. Uh, this at the time people just had this weird obsession. You need to play two up front. We need to have two strikers. It it wouldn't work. You'd get overrun in midfield because most teams were playing four yeah. three three at that point. It, it was the right thing to do at the time. But <laughs> but there you go. So yeah, there was a uh, seven thousand seven hundred twenty one fans at that game. Good, I think seventeen hundred from Sheffield. Um, but it was the United fans who went home happy. And yeah, it was like I said, one of my favourite memories of, of that Greg Abbott Car United side was that game. It was one of the actually when Brunton Park was really rocking that that mm. uh, that day. Um okay, up next it's the play for both section. Um now Dan's obviously not with us today, he's having to work uh, while we're recording. But uh, he did take the time to actually record uh, the play for us both section bit. So he's done it. I'm gonna do a little one myself as well towards the end, but uh, let, let let's play this. 
for my they played for both for this episode i'm going back to the early 90s and one of our good penalty takers of these times was a certain andy barnsley he started his career at rotherham for the season and he got a transfer to sheffield united where he had three seasons before going back to rotherham and then eventually joining carlisle in 1991 now, not long after joining Carlisle, he actually collapsed on the training pitch and uh, I think it was Peter Hampton brought him basically back to life. You know, it was, basically it was a bit of a, like what happened to Christian Eriksen at the uh, Euros this summer. But, uh, you know, thankfully he uh, recovered and came back and uh, probably scored his most famous goal for Carlisle from the spot. Uh, penalty in the 2 all League Cup draw with Norwich City under the Brunton Park floodlights which was a really big game at the time because Norwich were, I think they finished third in the Premier League that season. But yeah, that's my play for both for this episode, Andy Barnsley. There you go. Thanks for that one, Dan. Um, not, not a player that I think either me, me or you, I mean, you were no. two or something when he played for <laughs> us. Um, but yeah, I, I have no memory of him either. But Dan, obviously, he goes back a bit further than us, so he, he's able to... Tell us all about that. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, I've now got a list to read out of all the players who I could find a play for both. I think I've missed a few from this because the problem is with searching through the list that I do, I, I do re- rely a little bit on Wikipedia for this, is that I often look at players and think, oh, did he play for both? And quite often I'm right, actually. But then with this one, I keep thinking of Sheffield Wednesday players and mm-hmm. there's a lot of Sheffield Wednesday players as well as a lot of Sheffield United players who've played for mm-hmm. Carl United. So, so there you go. So the list, uh, starting off, I know... The one I'm going to do, I'll read out the end because that's one of the last ones here. Uh, Wilfred Ady, I think he played sort of pre-World War One, even possibly, or possibly pre-Second World War for Carl United. Uh, take you probably the most famous corner in Carl United history. Mm. Graham Anthony, he played about three games for Sheffield United where he started his career uh, before, I think he had a spell at Plymouth Argyle and then came to, to United. Um, Alan Ashman, United's probably most famous manager other than maybe Bill Shankly. Um, he... Played for Sheffield United during the war, I think it was, as sort of a wartime guest player. But obviously, most famously, as a, as a player and a manager for Carl United, probably one of the club's biggest legends. Um, Teddy Ashton, another one of those very, very early Carl United players. Tommy Black, who had a loan spell from uh, Arsenal uh, at Carl United. Uh, I think he might have been on loan at Sheffield United, although he maybe went there permanently, I'm not sure. Um, Reese Brown, previously mentioned, obviously he had a spell as well at United. Um, I think brother of Wes, isn't he, Reese? I seem to remember because he was on. Yeah, yeah. He was on loan at Wat from Watford at United, wasn't he? But I think he was at mm. Manchester United originally. Um, here's a, here's a real blast from the past. Danny Kadamatri, another one who played for both. Um, Jamal Campbell Rice again, the five hundred pound. That's two games in a row. He's been mentioned. Yeah, he played for a lot of clubs, didn't he? I would, honestly, I would not be surprised if he's played for Swindon and we have to name him again at the weekend. <laughs> it would, would be typical. Uh, Willie Carlin, um, one of the 60s, 70s sort of players. Uh, Bert Chandler, again, another one, a very, very early Carl United player. Um, a favourite of mine, I think a favourite of yours as well, yeah. uh, Mike. Tom Cowan, a player who certainly left his, you know, played with his heart on his sleeve, didn't he? He was a, a terrific player. and Just a player we needed for that period. I know... It, it, I know a lot of people were sad when he left after we got one promotion from the National League. I think it was probably the right time to do that there, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, well, I mean, we got Zegor in to replace him, didn't we? So the rest well, you, was history. You can't really argue with that. I think Zegor was, was a bit of an upgrade, especially in terms of quality, definitely. Mm. He was an upgrade on Tom. Um, up next uh, is... 
lost him here. Sorry. John Cullen. John Cullen is up next. He was on loan, I think, under Ian Atkins. He played about 10 games towards the end of that season. Uh, but he started, I think, his career at Sheffield United. I did actually miss one there. I just realised Darren Carr, uh, another pl- lad who played for Sheffield United early in his career, he was on loan again under Ian Atkins, actually, funny enough. I think he was on loan from Chesterfield or Brighton, one of the two. A um, couple of goalkeepers next. Mervyn Day played, I think, like one, one or two games on loan for <laughs> Sheffield United. Just before he signed uh, for United, for his sort of brief spell as a player, before he became a coach. It's not uh, many goalkeepers going to coaching slash management, is there? No, there isn't. It's, it's unusual, isn't it? Also, he, only, he only actually managed at one club, and that is Carlisle, funny enough, mm. weirdly. But, they are absolute yeah. head cases, to be fair to them. I lost them, are, yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of goalkeepers, another one, Andy Dibble. Now, there's a man who, who played for a hell of a lot of clubs. He was, uh, I don't, I'm not sure he actually played a game for Sheffield United, but I think he had two spells there as a player. Um, his spell at United he only played two games on loan I think from Hartlepool it was in famously in that season the 99-00 season where I think we had six different goalkeepers play for us over mm. the campaign I think it was Luke Weaver Peter Keane um, Michael Lingham Peter van der Quack Barry Thompson Andy Dibbles so there's six I think I've missed a couple more possibly there was the famously the, the lad I think Olsen the Norwegian keeper who pulled his hamstring running to the airport to get his flight <laughs> to Carlisle for the game but the, only at Carl United could that possibly happen, really. Yeah, it's just, just typical, but there you go. Um, so, yeah, uh, Andy Dibble. Peter Duffield, you remember him, Mike? He was uh, in the season we went down to the conference. He played, I think, 10 games, scored three goals towards the end of the season. Uh, Brought no in as an experienced striker. I think he was at Boston United for a bit as well. But, uh, yeah, he was a decent enough forward, actually, to be fair. Did, did a job at the time, basically. Uh, another club legend, Bob Hatton. He's uh, played for both clubs. Dean Henderson, I'm throwing him in there, even though he actually never played for Cali United mm-hmm. at a senior level. Um, Evan Horwood started his career at Sheffield United. Um, Jamie Hoyland had a brief spell at, at the Blues. He had, a, I think, a couple of seasons with the Blades as well. Kevin Hurst started his career at Sheffield United. Didn't play a first-team game, I don't think, for them. Um, but he obviously had a decent spell at United. I think he was our record signing for a brief period as well. I don't know if he still is, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, because it's, I think his deal was a lot of add ons, so it's whether or not he actually was. I don't know. No, he's one of those ones I'm not 100% sure. Mm. Um, next, uh, Steve Ludlam. I think he was a player in the 80s, possibly, I'd seem to remember. Here's one that uh, people tend to forget um, Gary Medine. Mm hmm. Not only did he play for both, but he also played for both uh, Sheffield clubs. Quite a surprise considering what actually happened with him. But <laughs> yeah, in terms of Sheffield, Sheffield United fans, he endeared himself to them when he was at uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Let's just leave it at that, shall we? Well, well he, he was a key player in getting them promoted to the Premier League. Um, yeah, he was. And, and he loved winding up the Sheffield Wednesday fans while he did it. So Yeah, quite incredible, isn't it? There <laughs> you go. Um, okay, uh, up next, Craig McCautry started his career at Sheffield United as a YTS player, but I don't think he ever made it to the, as a senior player. Obviously, he was at United, sort of played as an emergency striker in a couple of games when he was a, he was actually a defender, and he scored a couple of goals against Macclesfield, I seem to remember. Um, up next is Sean McGinty, the <laughs> one-minute man. Not, never mind the, the, the one-game wonder, the one-minute wonder. He literally probably the shortest Carl United career you'll ever uh, come across. Came on as a sub against was it against Preston or maybe against Huddersfield? I can't remember. I think it was a it was a Boxing Day game. I seem to remember. He came on as a sub in the last last minute. 
uh, in injury time. That is the last minute of injury time. And I think he, I'm not sure he even touched the ball. No. <laughs> Incredible. But yeah, he was uh, at Sheffield United for a bit as well. Uh, John Paul McGovern. Interesting one. I forget this one. He, early on in his career, he actually had a loan spell at Sheffield United. Um, but obviously went on to play for Wednesday as well. And actually did quite well. I think he scored in a playoff final for them. So uh, one of those plays that gets a little bit overlooked, doesn't he, really, in terms mm. of Carolina history. I, I really rate him, McGovern. I think he was a terrific player for us. Um, Sean Miller, he had a spell at uh, the Blades as well. Oliver Norwood, obviously, we've already mentioned. Michael O'Halloran, another one-game wonder. He had a spell with the Blades. Billy Painter. It's a shame Dan's not on, really, because he could wax lyrical <laughs> about Billy Painter, couldn't he, if he was on yeah. there? He had a spell with the Blades. Again, I don't think he did that well, actually, with Sheffield United. No. Um, Vincent Pericard, again, he had a loan spell with them. Um, Tony Phyllis Girk had a loan spell with the Blues, but I think he actually was a quite a popular player at Sheffield United. Um, Stefan Skugel, we mentioned before, obviously. Grant Smith, he had a, a spell as a player at Sheffield United. Um, Richard Tracy began his career at uh, Sheffield United. Um, I don't think he actually made a first-team appearance either, but, um, but he did pretty well there. And... Um, Finally, the one I'm going to pick out is my uh, sort of uh, play for both. And I'm picking this one out deliberately because I know that um, I'm going to the game with John McGee and he's a big fan of this player as well. <laughs> it's, of course, Paul Furwell, Captain Marvel himself. Yeah, uh, Paul obviously started his career at Sunderland, his, his hometown club, made 77 appearances for them, had a brief loan spell at Swindon Town in 1999. But um, after not really sort of establishing himself, at least as a regular at the Stadium of Light, he then made the move to Sheffield United. He had uh, one season with the Blades, made 30 appearances and scored one goal. Um, I'm not 100% certain if that was in the Premier League or not, actually. I think it was a championship level, actually. Um, but yeah, he only had the one season there. And then he signed for Derby County. He never really established himself at the, the Rams mm. either. Made 21 appearances, then joined the Blues on loan in, in 2006. Um, played 14 games on loan. I mean, he looked really impressive, didn't he, when he came in. He fitted so well into the system and he, yeah. he, he was a really good holding midfielder. He had that, um, like, uh, red card at Tranmere. I think that was during the loan spell. That was, uh, like... One of my favourite red cards, though. <laughs> yeah. He took out... I think, was it Calvin Zola? He took him out at, like, hip height? Because <laughs> yeah. allegedly he'd spat at him earlier in the game. It was so. like a judo throw, wasn't it? It was a blatant one where you could tell that he's done something to him earlier in the game. That's revenge, basically. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah it was a spectacular red card, to say the least. Um... Then he signed permanently for the Blues um, in January of that year, in 2007. Went on to make 214 appearances and score seven goals, including some absolute belts and some vital goals mm. as well, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, his, volley, his volley against um, Millwall is the obvious one to mention. Oh, yeah, on, yeah. on his weaker foot as well, his left foot, you've got to say. Mm. Brilliant strike that was. Um, ended up spending eight years with the club. Uh, captain the, the side twice at Wembley, uh, in, including obviously the, the win in uh, 2011. Um, left the club in 2015, having sort of done a few coaching roles as well at the club, hadn't he? By then, he'd been interim manager briefly under Keith Curl, but he left not long after that. Um, mm. Curl wanted his own team, and just the way it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved to Harrogate Town, uh, played 26 game for them, scored one goal. Is uh, now assistant manager at Harrogate Town and doing pretty well there. To be fair, yeah. one of those ones you do wonder in future. Maybe you'll come up with a possible suggestion to be a Carl United manager. You know, if the, if the job comes up, yeah, possibly. You know? You never know, do you? you? never know. Okay, well, let's get on to actually talking about Sheffield United now then. Um, so, yeah, the Blades, um, they've had an incredible run over the last four or five seasons, haven't they, Mike? When you look mm. at it, it's just 
under Chris Wilder, they, they went to heights I don't think they possibly imagined they could. Obviously, the dream was always to get back in the Premier League, but I think the aim was always at first to get them into the championship and establish themselves at least over mm. a, a longer period. But to get up to the Premier League as quickly as they could was quite incredible. And it, it did look at one point, as we mentioned there when we were talking with um, with Ben earlier, that it did look like they, they, they could well get themselves into the Premier League, into the Champions League, sorry, didn't mm. it, at one point. Yeah, and I felt that uh, Wilder was kind of unlucky to not win manager of the season that year. Obviously, like Jurgen Klopp won it, didn't he? And obviously Liverpool had won the league. But I mean, what he'd managed to do with that team was was incredible. I really think was. any other season he would have got it, wouldn't he? I think probably. Mm. Yeah, but just Klopp getting Liverpool to their first title and so comfortably to their first title as well. Mm. He was always going to be the one who, who got the award, I think, for that season. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's like I said, it, it's... They're under a bit of a rebuild now, aren't they, by the looks of things? And the, the thing with Wilder was they had a very distinctive style in the way they played, didn't they? Yeah. Kind yeah. of gung-ho. <laughs> like, uh, just absolute grafters, wasn't it, really? Uh, but it was grafters, but it was unusual because they play with, like, these three centre-backs, but the centre-backs overlapped, bombed yeah, forward, yeah. didn't they? It was a really, really unusual style, and it caught a lot. I've done, that's the thing. I think it caught a lot of teams out in the yeah. first season, and when they cottoned on to it, and when they got a few injuries that meant the first choice centre backs missed out games, yeah, that's when they suddenly started to struggle a bit, wasn't it? I think. So. Yeah, as well, and and a lot of the games I saw when they had Dean Henderson and Nets, there were games that they could have lost two, three, one, but mm. they won one nil because he was in goal. Yeah, and having him him in goal and a defence that was so solid in front of him as well. Mm made a huge difference for them last season. Um, obviously, last season was a, a bit of a disaster for them, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, it, it's going to be a tough one for them this year, I think, possibly, to maybe bounce back at the first attempt. Because Yeah, I think so. We'll, we'll get onto it in a minute, but they've not been particularly busy in terms of transfers. Let's talk about the manager, Slavisa Jukanovic. Um, former Chelsea player, he's built up a quite a reputation, hasn't he, as being a coach... The likes he decides to play decent attacking football, and mm. he's managed to get promotion twice from the Championship to the Premier League mm. with what for the first time, and he left after that because he couldn't agree a new contract. I think he went mm. to Maccabi Haifa, I think it was in Israel, mm. um, and then obviously won it with Fulham. But trying to continue to play that style with Fulham in the Premier League just didn't quite work, did it? So no. he's he's hoping to make it a hat trick, isn't he, with with Sheffield United this season and. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Uh, Starman, I've picked out here. Um, there's so many players you could have picked for this, isn't there, really, when you look yeah. at it? They've got a squad that is still packed with quality and a lot of experience as well. It's one thing that stands out. Mm. But the man I've picked out is probably one of the most experienced of the lot. It's Billy Sharp. Mm. I mean, he's a proper Sheffield United and EFL legend. Uh, he's got 247 goals in his 598 first-team appearances. It's a shame it could have been his 300 appearance for, uh, in the first... Well, it, as a professional against us, if it had been a game later. Mm. Um, he's currently in his third spell with the club and he's now club captain. He, he's a brilliant player, isn't he? Sharp. I mean, I remember back when he was at Scunthorpe on loan for Sheffield. He was brilliant then, wasn't he? Yeah, I think that was the, uh, was that the 06, 07 season, our first year back in League One. Yeah. Uh, he, sco- he scored like 30-odd goals for Scunthorpe and mm. like he was this sort of hot prospect and now he's... The experienced striker, you know. It's, well, it's, uh, it's mad, isn't it? Because they, they he went on loan to Scunthorpe, did really well. They signed him permanently, mm. and then Sheffield United because they signed him from Sheffield United. Sheffield United then were like, 
oh shit, he's actually quite good and, and <laughs> re-signed him again. And they, I mm. think they paid something like 10 times what they sold him for to get yeah, him back. Yeah. So a bit of a mistake, it was fair to say, on that occasion. Um, but yeah, he's been at all kinds of clubs. He's been at Southampton, as he as well, and mm. Doncaster, and he's he's done the round, and he's obviously back at Sheffield United now. He's he's playing the Premier League for them, which I think was was always his ambition, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, he's, he's had a fantastic career. Um, I picked a few out. Oh, yeah, Mike, I don't know if you want to talk about some of these ones in their squad as well that they've got. I mean, like I said, it's packed with quality, isn't it? Really, their squad. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard for us to sort of because normally we we talk about the star man who's going to be playing against us and causes a few problems. But yeah. a game like this, you don't necessarily know yeah. which players will be playing against us. Um, yeah, obviously John Flack was uh, brilliant for them. Um, you know when they had that high flying season, but he he was down what League One, League Two level for Coventry not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you know he just seems to because he was rated really highly at Rangers, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, they they really rated him highly because I think his dad was a player for Rangers, wasn't he? And he was quite yeah. a, a popular player when he was there. And there was hopes he would become the next big star, but I don't mm. think it ever quite works for him there. I think he was sixteen when he made his debut for them or something like that. Yeah, uh, and then obviously he finally picked it up. I, I think he could probably still do a job in the Premier League, to be honest with you. But yeah, uh, yeah, and obviously Norwood, uh, as we mentioned earlier, and. Oh, O'Connell, he was injured uh, largely last season, wasn't he? I think they yeah. missed they missed him uh, massively. Mm. Um, but yeah, and, and then the obvious one to pick out Aaron Ramsdale, who was obviously England's mm. third choice keeper, thanks to Henderson's injury uh, and Pope's Euros. injury and Pope's injury as well. Sorry, I forgot about that. <laughs> so he's really fifth choice, but he's, he's a young, <laughs> to be fair, he's, he's a very young lad. He's twenty two, twenty three, something like that. So he, yeah. time's very much on his side there. Um, yeah, in terms of summer recruitment, they've been really quiet, in fact, to the point that they haven't actually signed anyone yet. Mm. Which, you know, with a new manager coming in as well, that, that'd be a worry, <coughs> wouldn't it, I suppose? I mean, I know they've got a quality squad, but if they're going to change the style of play, moving away from that three at the back, they're probably going to need a couple of signings in, and so far, they've not been so lucky, have they? You'd think that they'd have a, a few quid in the bank, obviously, from the outside looking in, because mm. when they were in the Premier League, they weren't splashing the cash like mad like some teams do when they come up you know uh, I don't think they had anyone on particularly crazy wages no um, and obviously the parachute money you get and all the rest of it um, but I mean that's from the outside looking in that they could have owners siphoning off money to the Cayman <laughs> Islands for all we know I don't know but allegedly can we just put that in there <laughs> <laughs> we're not suggesting they're doing that that's just no saying, no Mike having a joke I hope um <laughs> But yeah, so like I said, in terms of departures, Simon Moore, the goalkeeper, long-serving, he never quite established himself as a first-team player. He's gone to Coventry City. And the midfielder, John Lundstrom, he played quite a lot in the Premier League for them, didn't he? He's uh, mm. moved north of the border to join Scottish champions Rangers. Um, I think they're expecting probably a couple of players to leave before the transfer window ends as well. I mean, the two names that stand out, obviously Sanderberg. Uh, the Norwegian international thing, their record signing. Um, he's not really played much for them, has he? Because I think he's been injured for a lot of his time at Bramall Lane. Mm. Uh, he's attracting interest from Seville and Arsenal. Uh, and the latter actually are also interested in Ramsdale. So you wouldn't be totally amazed to see both of them leave. And that would give them even more money to, to play with. Uh, I, I'd imagine you're probably going to see a flurry of players arriving with them probably over the next two or three weeks, I think. Yeah, I think so. And um, particularly as well, I mean, we mentioned it in the season preview, not a lot of players have done their sort of uh, loaning out, you know, no, the big clubs. No, uh, and obviously the sort of the young prospects at the big Premier League clubs, they'll be certainly looking to loan them out to 
championship clubs and yeah. um, obviously like Henderson was for them and that's where you can get a real key player that can be the difference yeah. between going up and not. Yeah, definitely. Um, and as obviously um, the guys from the Blaze Pod mentioned there, um, probably likely to just tweak around the edges because I mean, they've they've had a pre-season to forget in terms of fixtures. They're obviously only playing two games and as he mentioned, it probably would have been ideal for us to play this game on the Saturday, the, the mm. 31st. It's almost an extra pre-season game for us. That would have been ideal. Funny enough, Aaron Hayden would have played in a, a game for us probably then if, he'd, if that had oh, been yeah. the case. But sod slaw, there you go. Um, so yeah, we're not expecting huge changes. We're probably expecting tweaks around the edges. But as I said, when you look at the bench they had at the weekend, if they're bringing like three or four plays off that, then they're still going to be unbelievable yeah. quality, aren't they? I mean, you've got yeah. your likes of your... your Jamar, what was it? Uh, sorry, Bogle, even on mm. there. You got Sharp on there. You've got uh, McBurney on there. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's not going to be an easy task. Let's just say that. No. Um, okay. Uh, look at, at United for this game. Um, yeah, obviously we're not going to touch too much on the Colchester game, but the thing to build on is another clean sheet, really, isn't it? At the weekend, that that was really mm. the, the positive and. Especially given the sort of last-minute rearrangements yeah, we had to make in that absolutely, department. absolutely, definitely, and even the, the the changes up front as well. Obviously, with Clough mm. pulling out in the warm-up. Um, how seriously do we take this game? It, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's it's mm. it, it's probably the toughest tie we could have had in terms of obviously rankings. They're, I think, the highest-rated club left in because obviously the, the, the clubs that finished nineteenth and eighteenth in the Premier League don't come in until the second mm. round, do they? To balance things out in terms mm. of numbers of sides in the draw so yeah it, it, it's going to be a, a tough one because I, I can imagine Sheffield United like I said they're going to want to impress having struggled at the week well not struggled but gone down to a defeat at the weekend against Birmingham um, do we look at it as maybe a chance to sort of test new things out maybe I mean the style of play is clearly going to have to change this season or be tweaked at least because we haven't Really got a Coyote or a Zanzara up front, a big man who's going to win a lot of those flick ons. So, what, what mm. do we do? Do we do? Do you tweak it around the edges? Yeah, I think so a little bit. Uh, give some uh, time to players who just need a, a few minutes, maybe. Obviously, um, you know, do we swap the keeper for a cup game? I, I think I remember when we signed Jensen, he um, he was touted as a, a penalty stopping expert. Yeah. So, could that be? A route that you'd you'd want to go down on the on the chance it goes to to penalties. I mean, Norman uh, did save a penalty um, against Orient towards the end of last season. Yeah, yeah. The, the game down there. So, mm. so yeah, it's one of those ones. I, I I think personally, I would give Jensen the game. I think we've got to see what he's like in a yeah yeah a professional outfit game. Norman will come back in for the weekend against Swindon anyway, so there's, there's no concerns there. So it'd just be nice to see what he's like. Because I mean, I'll, I'll touch on this we've we've done at the weekend, but. Norman's kicking was a little bit ropey at the weekend. Mm. It's 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 interesting. It's noticeable how much of a step down it is from having someone like Farman. I mean, Farman's a freak at this level in the fact that he he can kick with both feet comfortably under pressure and get yeah. it into the opposition half every time. But even even allowing for that, Norman was shanking it out a lot, and we were targeting um, Dickinson a lot. And Dickinson's not good in the air. That's one thing that was very clear yeah. from watching the game. He was struggling to win his headers, and that's not what you got him in there for. So maybe some, maybe Norman's kicking is something that our goalkeeper coach can oh, really. Because <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's let's be fair. That, that 
Dan, I'm sure he'll be a, a decent goalkeeper coach, but his kicking wasn't the best as a player. So no. hope, hopefully he knows the flaws there and he can... Because uh, the thing is, actually, Hanford could kick it far. He just kicked out of play a lot. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah. So. I was tempted when he was at Southport because they don't have the biggest stadium to just sort of stand behind the main stand on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Pick up some just, balls. Yeah. For free. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, I mean, our record actually against championship clubs isn't too bad in the League mm. Cup, is it? When you look back down the like mm. recent years, maybe the last 10 or 12 years, I mean, we've beaten what? I mean, we beat Bristol City away in a game. Of second round, mm. obviously, that was. We've beaten QPR, Ipswich, uh, Blackburn. Um, who else was it? Who did we beat? Barnsley the other years. Like, there's five yeah. off the top of my head. Mm. I'm sure there's probably a couple I've missed in there as well. So it, it just, just goes to show, you know, we, we can get results in these games. So Yeah, definitely. I mean, f- for me, I, I'd, I'd probably stick Mellish in there because... Um, the way that I've seen it, like physical attributes, it doesn't matter what level you're at. If you are physically strong, if you are, fit, you know, if you could run all day, whatever level opposition you're playing, you can cause a lot of problems. It's te- mm. more technical ability that's the the sort of difference between obviously championship yeah. and League Two teams. But you know, Mellish will run around all day and really cause problems for any team at any level. Well, we'll touch on midfield in a minute because actually, mm. Manish was one of the points I put in there, and it's a fair point that. Mm. Um, in terms of defence, I mean, it, it pretty much picks itself, but maybe do you give Feeney a run out? And if you do that, what do you do? I mean, for me, I would I would start McDonald, whatever, because he's, he's experienced head. Yeah, he's what, nearly 30 mm. now. He's, he, I think in a game like this, you do need an experienced head in there. And actually, he had a great game against Colchester. He really did. He was really impressive. He he was the, the sort of the leader at the back, and, and Whelan really responded well to that. So, mm. do, what do you do? Do you. Do you stick with those two and try and sort of build a partnership for now, knowing that you might not have a defender in for a little while? Or do you maybe give Feeney around just to see where he's at, maybe? It's a tough choice, isn't it? it it's tough, yeah. And, it, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be too fussed if Beach went either way on that, to be honest, mm. because, you know, Feeney does need minutes, but I don't want to be rushing him back from his, his recent little knock either. Yeah, I mean, Beach did comment after the game that he, he's brought in Willen, not as a centre-back, really. So he obviously sees him more as a sort of full-back that can fill on mm. both sides. <clears throat> but he seems to be quite impressed with how he did in that game. And obviously, Joe Riley wasn't really necessarily brought in as a midfielder originally. He did really well in that role. So might, that might mm. be the role that he settles down into, Willen, possibly. So, mm. um, yeah, I think it's, it's a tough one. I think I'd probably, to be honest, I'd probably stick with it. Because mm. if it's maybe going to take you a little while to get a defender, I'd rather build them up as a partnership and see how they do than chop and change things around. But I think yeah. it, I think it's a choice of, for me. I know there's others will disagree, but I think it's McDonald one over, and I think it probably will be Whelan. I think we'll stick with that. Yeah, um, Whelan was a few people's man of the match on uh, Saturday as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I think I, I said between him and McDonald basically for yeah. me. I thought they were both brilliant. Um, midfield, you've obviously sort of briefly touched on it. Um, what do you do with Mellish? I mean. For me, I would be tempted to stick with him for this game because mm. he was so close to scoring a goal on Saturday. He had what three chances, I think, and he's shown he's basically still got that instinct to get in the right areas. And it's one of those ones where probably once he gets a goal, he's going to go off on a run again. So, yeah. do you maybe just give him that another chance to say, right, go out there and show what you can do, or do you sort of change it up and give him a rest? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, for for me, like I said before, I'd, I'd certainly stick him in there. I think uh, you know. If Sheffield United have a few, you know, if they're playing a few sort of young players, you know, mm-hmm. in their team, 
they're not used to coming up against a John Mellish for uh, under-23 level, are they? Do you know what I mean? So, Baldos his way through them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, for, for me, I, I'd definitely, definitely start him. Um, and the rest, you know, it just depends on sort of fitness and sort of half keeping an eye to, to next weekend as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, if I was going to make a tweak there, I'd maybe take Riley out for this game and maybe give Charters a run out to see mm. where he's at. He's done really well in preseason. I think. I think we've had plenty of games in preseason. We've had a few knocks and injuries. I think it's best to maybe sort of keep it fresh and make sure those sub players are ready to come in. I'd maybe I would probably look to maybe bring in Charters for this game for Riley. Possibly, I mean, Callum Guy's going to start his captain, and he's essential to the team. You know, there's no way he's not playing. Yeah, game. I mean, the only thing for me is Charters, he seems similar-ish to Mellish in that he's kind of, yeah. you know, got a lot of energy. And sometimes if you play two of them players in the middle at the same time, you can potentially leave big gaps. Possibly, possibly. Maybe one of those games where you need players who can have a bit of energy and get about and be a bit physical, mm. I suppose. Yeah, so yeah. You never know. Um, so, yeah, possibly that. I mean, then I'd like to see Dixon come in as well, maybe on the bench at least, to give him a chance to possibly... Have a run out. Um, up front, I think this is probably the area where you can change things. I think you probably do make a couple of tweaks here because mm. they did okay as a front three at the weekend, but they don't feel move confidence that they're, they're going to provide a lot of goals. Abrahams, Dickinson and um, Alessandra, to be honest, they, they're, they're good players, but I'm not sure them as a free together is really going to work. Mm. I mean, it would have been different maybe if Clough had been playing as your number 10, feeding the ball through to Abrahams, possibly. But for me, that as a front three didn't work. I'd, I'd like to see it changed up. I'd maybe like to see Mampala come in possibly for Abrahams maybe, give him a, a rest for this game. And I'd probably swap Alessandra for Toure and just have a well, go at them. Well, I mean, creating chances wasn't the issue at all, was it, against Colchester? No. It was putting them in the back of the net. And th- there's a few players who I think maybe they just need to get a goal and then, yeah. you know, th- they'll be scoring... Uh, quite a few, but yeah, I mean, we have we have so many options. Mm. It, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, we were talking about sort of with the midfield uh, on Twitter and just how you know if we if we're to go for down the sort of four two three one route, you know, you could play Joe Riley as a winger. You know, yeah. he, he's quick and he's good in the ball and he can put good balls in the box. But then you're leaving sort of an Alessandra or Dickinson or Torre or someone out, you know, or, or Mampala. You know, it's uh, we have a lot of options there. And I, I would like to see us play a, an entirely different front three just to sort of see what they can do. And then sort yeah. of, you know, have it sort of uh, winner stays on, if you like. If you're playing good games, you stay in the team. If you're not, you're out and just sort of rotate on that kind of basis. So you're suggesting we drop Dickinson, uh, Abrahams and Alessandra and bring in, what, Toure, Bell and Mampala? Well, maybe not Bell for this one. Um, but yeah, certainly I, I, I'd like to see Toure on sort of the big pitch there, you know, yeah. do, doing what he can do and uh, th- that'd be great to see. And yeah, it's 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 so tough because there's a lot of front threes that Beach could announce, and I'll say, yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think to be honest, watching the game last week again, I'll touch on this with with Dan at the weekend, but I do feel like having watched that game, we are probably missing another forward. Maybe I think mm. maybe it would be nice to, if we could maybe even use some of that money from mm. uh, Hayden if we can split it between getting a defender and getting a mm. striker in. That would probably be quite nice, but. 
I imagine it'd probably be used for one or the other, <laughs> based on uh, the way things are at Coyne. Yeah, I mean, for us, I, I just think that numbers-wise, we have a few strikers, and I can't see the board been too willing to part with cash for another one. Yeah, no, but, that's true. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that we don't necessarily need one, but I just can't see us, uh, you know, providing the funds to do that. No, definitely not. Okay, Mike, well, that's pretty much summed up the preview bit, so let's uh, do the match predictions for the end. Obviously, we did them at the weekend. Uh, I need to work out who got closest on the attendance, I think. It was you, Mike, wasn't it? What did you go for? And in fact, you I went think... for stupidly high, didn't you? I, well, I went like 7-2 or no, something. I, I don't think you've got it then, because I will definitely be closer. But I think it might be Dan, because I think he went for round about that amount, so well done to Dan. Oh, but was, people... was it that, though? Uh, it's one of those <laughs> ones, isn't it? People always say, oh, you look bigger, but actually, when you look at sometimes when you look at these things, there, there's a lot of gaps that you don't really notice, because it all sort of blends into one. Mm. But there you go. Okay, uh, so up first, um, Dan has sent us our predictions, um, so I'll put, play his. We're not going to do attendance predictions for th- this game, because no. it's a very difficult one to sort of work out, and to be honest, we probably won't do them for away games, we'll just do them for home games. So there you go. So here's Dan's predictions. Uh, my prediction, League Cup games, always uh, tough until you see the team sheets from the uh, the so-called bigger sides. Uh, I believe Sheffield United has only had two or three pre-season games and could possibly treat this as a pre-season game. I'd like to think we could maybe snatch a one-all draw and take it to penalties, but I'm going to go for a 2-1 defeat. Uh, goal scorer, Mampala. There you go, that's Dan's prediction. He's gone for a defeat. It's quite rare for any of us to go for defeat. I think we only did it two or three times last season. Mm. We were on the really bad run, so there you go. Uh, Mike, what are you going to go for? Well, I'm going to go for what Dan didn't go for, and I'm going to go for 1-1 and the Blues to win on pens. And I'm going to say our goal scorer will be Jimmy Torrey. Oh, there you go. Well, I'm going to go very similar. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. The old uh, Ashbishop Desmond. And um, and I'm going to go with goal scorers of Torrey, and Lewis Bell will come off the bench and get the uh, the second equaliser. So yeah, and I think we'll win on penalties as well. So there you go. That's yeah. what I'm going for. So we go. We've been mildly optimistic, but not too optimistic on this episode in terms of that. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, Mike, thanks again for joining me. Really do appreciate it. Um, thanks again to our sponsors, the London Branch. Really appreciate that their support over the season is really really helping us. Um, remind. Uh, to everyone out there you can subscribe to the podcast on any good podcast app just search for the Brunton Bugle click subscribe and then every time we release the episode it'll come straight into your little inbox um, and there you go easy as that and also if you can give us a review give us a five star review if you can that'd be fantastic um, not had a chance to look up everything in new countries Mike so there may well be in there don't know we'll find out on Friday's episode that's when we'll reveal that uh, in terms of episodes coming up uh, as we mentioned there's going to be an episode coming out on Friday again to preview the Swindon game and we'll probably look to try and get a little mini episode to preview the Port Vale game as well uh, next Monday uh, that's it Mike thanks once again for joining me uh, when, ne- when's the next game you're getting to it's going to be a while off isn't it I think I think it's Hartlepool ah so you're going to be able well, to Hartlepool are you yeah pr- well prov- obviously they still haven't leaked the ticket info on that so and yeah. I'd imagine that we may well well Fill we'll that away, away and so. August Bank Holiday weekend. It's going to be rammed, isn't it? I, I'm not yeah. going to make that one, unfortunately. I'm giving that one a no. miss this year, but uh, but no, that should be a good one. And both me and you are going to Sutton away, aren't we? In, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that should be a cracking day out. That one should yeah. be. There you go. Thanks again, Mike. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. And up the blues. Up the blues. Oh,
Oh, oh.